This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Imagine feeling in control of your life again and confident in yourself to leave your house and not worry about what others think about you. Imagine feeling able to manage your emotions enough to get through a whole day and not feel controlled by them. Imagine having your life back. It's possible. One of the hardest things about finding a therapist is the concern about feeling judged for needing help. Julia's role is only in empowering you to remember what you are capable of. And she does it so from a very supportive and non-judgmental approach. Julia's approach is meant to create a safe space in which you feel comfortable processing the feelings that have been preventing you from achieving your goals for yourself. She helps you achieve these short-term goals that bring you here while planting seeds of empowerment so that one day you will feel self-confident and capable on your own once again. Valeria interviews Julia Overlin, described frequently as the safest and easiest person to talk to about uncomfortable things. Julia describes herself as just one human doing my best to help other humans through their own life journey. Julia is a nationally certified NCC licensed professional clinical counselor, LPCC, who has worked with individuals managing issues from extreme shyness to psychosis and many things in between. Her goals with her work are fundamentally to put her clients at ease and learn self-acceptance, believing that once one can accept their circumstance, it is only then that progress can be made. Until then, all energy is being expended fruitlessly, wishing things were different and feeling defeated for not being able to improve their situation. Julia has worked in many capacities, largely with the same populace of people, those suffering from severe mental illness. She currently runs her own private practice, Coronado Counseling, where she helps those internally motivated to feel better, learn new tools for becoming a better version of themselves. Meet Julia at CoronadoCounselingCA.com. Here's the interview with Julia Overlin. In your own words, who is Julia Overlin? Uh, Julia is one human trying to help another human. Um, any human that comes into my office, I'm just trying to help them be as comfortable as they can in their skin. Um, having been very shy from an early age, uh, my niche is helping those who are extremely anxious. So I 
can usually recognize it before they can, that they're just, you know, there's terror, there's terror in, the, in their being. And so I just try to create a safe space. And I'm, I'm one human trying to get through life and helping other humans do the same. And, and my hope is that after they work with me, they feel more comfortable in their skin. Um, and I've been able to impart a little bit of uh, insight into how it's been uh, in my experience being a human, both as a clinician and as uh, someone a little bit older than most of my clients. Um, and uh, sharing a little bit of life experience um, along the way and uh, imparting that it's okay to not be okay and you can survive in spite of it. Mm, Oh, I love that too. (laughs) What is not Mm. to love about you? And I love the way you talk about yourself and I have been to your website and listened to you. You have a video recording and there's some information. It's just so beautiful to see other human beings helping themselves and others at the same time just walking this life together. And with that in mind, I had another question here, but I'll ask you this one. What is to be a human, a human being, Julia? Yeah, from any perspective, actually. I think to be, that's a good question. (laughs) I've been asked that question before. To be a human being, it's to be as authentic as possible. It's, It's how, it's to be accepting how, what I try to impart to, to my clients is to, the, as soon as we accept ourselves, we are being as present as possible. Mm-hmm. And I, I just got goosebumps, so yeah. that must be the, the most true <laughs> definition. That's a thing. Um, mm. So being as present as possible is the human, hum, best um, human experience we can be. And as soon as we accept where we are in life, we can then move forward. Um, and until we're able to accept where we are, a lot of us get stuck because we're not able to accept our place in life, whether it's emotional, physical, um, whatever whatever the state is. Until we can accept where we are, it's hard to move past that moment because we're just in denial of needing help. Um, we're feeling, we feel like we should be a certain place or we should be thinking a certain way, but we don't. So I think the best definition of human being a human being is being able to, in our best form, being able to be accept, accept where we are. Um, to be able to live as fully as possible in the moment. Ah, as I said, off record, it sounds very spiritual. <laughs> the way mm-hmm. you express yourself, the way you speak. All I know you're a professional therapist, but it sounds deeply, truly spiritual to me, accepting being in the moment. Do you have any spiritual belief systems or views, practices? I was raised to believe by my mom that we could be with, um, for me, I I believe in God. Um, I believe in higher power. I believe I was raised to believe we could be with God, um, on a horse. Like we didn't have to be in a building. It wasn't about the building. (laughs) It was about the relationship. Um, Uh so we were being on horses. So it was about a horse. So, but but the point being, we could be with him at anywhere that was more about the relationship than, than the space. Um, that's not to say you can't be with God in a church or a building, but it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the structure of the program per se, but it was about, it was about me talking to him out on my porch. It was about me talking to him like I'm talking to you. It's about me feeling free to just say out loud how I'm feeling, which aligns with my approach in therapy. It's, I want people to feel comfortable just, you know, getting comfortable with just saying how they're feeling, whether it's to me in session or to a friend. Um, my part of normalizing humanity is in helping people become more comfortable with the normalizing of needing to say how they're feeling as part of their humanity. 
um, because that's where that stigma comes in is like, I can't, it's not okay for me to say how I'm feeling because it might show I'm stupid or it might show I'm not where I'm supposed to be at my age and that would not look good. So, um, yeah, I'm just yeah trying to help people accept who they are and um, they're exactly where they're supposed to be. I believe existentially we're all right where we're supposed to be. We just don't always know it. And so we feel like it's that feeling like we should be somewhere else, the should monster. I call it the should monster. That should monster is suggesting we should be somewhere else other than where we are. Um, but I believe if we all just lean into the big plan of um, the mister up above, um, who I believe is a mister. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we all just lean into what the plan is and listen um, that we are more likely to find ourselves more present than we realize. Question that I often ask myself is when those moments come that I'm not present and I'm trying to become better than I am, per se, especially dealing with family members when they are distressed or they are, let's say, unpleasant in many ways. Mm-hmm. So, I wonder how we can balance this idea, everything you speak of, which is truly beautiful and resonates with me, accepting everything in the moment. But how do we balance that with this desire to to do better, to be kinder than we are, to love deeper than we do? There's there's um there is a thing called radical acceptance yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and they don't name it easy acceptance <laughs> or, or no problem acceptance. It's called radical acceptance because it's so radical in accepting something that's so far and foreign from anything that may align with our own values. So to say, if there's somebody in our family or a friend that's saying something or doing something that we would, we want to be their friend, but they're just doing something or talking in a way that doesn't align with our values. And it's like why are you being like that? Why are you being so mean? Why are you, why are you being so rude right now? Uh, I'm trying to understand you in this moment. Um, I'm trying to be present with you in this moment, but you're not making sense in the way that makes sense to me. Um, I want to love you. Another example, I want to love you, but um, I don't like you right now. I don't like you right now. I love you, but I don't like you. That would be another way to look at it. Um, But so radically accepting that a person another human is is not having the same values as us is a way to not discount them as part of our family or our friend our friend circle but to be able to accept i don't agree with you but i'm going to try to understand you i'm going to find the objectivity in my spirit to be able to stay here to try to understand you which is i think where a lot of our world would benefit if more people would try to do that I love the practice of understanding, of communication, of course, clear communication, asking questions, listening deeply. I love all that and I do my best. (laughs) It's not as a professional that I'm not, but with my family and everybody around me. So when you speak of values, I think about also trauma because a lot of people traumatize. That's where they're coming from with all the negativity, unfortunately. How much of that can we actually understand before we choose to leave, to just let go of the person even? <laughs> right. No. And, and I want to, first I want to, I want to normalize, in normalizing that situation, I want to normalize the humanity of staying in a situation, even though we know it's not the healthiest. Because we, as human beings, we gravitate, to, we want to be accepted. And so we want to be, we want to stay in our comfort zone, which despite it being what we would call maladaptive and not healthy, Uh, dare I say toxic, 
we know how to we know how to survive in in those situations. So a lot of times humans will stay in in bad situations because they know how to survive in that one. If I were to get out of a bad situation, I wouldn't know how to take care of myself. I wouldn't know what to do. How would I take care of myself if somebody was being nice to me? I don't know how to think about myself in those situations. Terrifying. So a lot of times people will stay in bad situations for simple, simply not knowing, one, how to get out of them, which is valid, and also not knowing how they will take care of themselves. So I always normalize the, you know, forgive yourself for not having gotten out sooner, one. Um, and then there's there's usually always resources available. It's just a matter of knowing who to reach out to. So um, also recognizing the signs, um, that's not always easy to do because people are very quick to say, oh, everything's fine. I'm fine. We're good. So it's being able to see through those veils of fine um, to your to those closest to you and be able to just, you know, look in their eyes and see, does it look like they've been crying even though they say they're fine? Or, you know, just trying to see through the through the window of what they're really saying um, to be able to see. Another thing I talk a lot about is core beliefs, essentially tied to core values. What we believe about ourselves uh, ties to what we think and what we do. It's an equation. So what I do a lot of is I describe it as reverse engineering the behavior. So if you're doing something that you want to stop doing, we go back to what we believe about ourselves. Subsequent to anything that happens in life, we start to believe things about ourselves. And abuse is, is a great example is if someone was abused as a child, they'll grow up very often believing they don't deserve to be loved truly. Obviously, that's not true, but that belief will lead them into all kinds of situations um, illogically that they don't deserve love, they don't deserve friends, they don't deserve food. I'll just stay under my covers and I don't deserve a good life. And so if we can get to the heart of what those core beliefs are, we can learn how to challenge them with facts, things we can rely on, pillars of, of facts, things we can, the truths of our life, usually our strengths, things we can rely on, um, we can learn to rely on them. They may not, they still may be foreign, but we can teach people to rely on the truths of, of what they know to be true about themselves. Um, and those values are related to that. And so in helping them challenge those core beliefs, we help them reverse the behavior that they're trying to change in themselves, which also improves their functioning. So it helps us lift the depression. It helps us lift anxiety. It helps them give themselves more courage and self-confidence to get out of a bad relationship because they learn how to communicate. They learn they don't deserve. They realize, I don't deserve to be here. And they find the confidence to say what they need to say to, to get out, to reach out for that help. I paused for a moment here, thinking about myself and yeah, my behavior in the past. And I see some residue of that still, still here, which is interesting. It's the belief system about myself. Yeah, being abused as a child and not believing that I deserved or not knowing what love was. And love. Now I have that much better idea. But that's fascinating, Julia, to hear even. Um, one of the things that I... I did, and I see a lot of people do that too, some people around me, is that we hold on to another belief system, which is about God or a spiritual higher force destiny. So it's almost like I'm going through this for a reason, and then we stay because we believe that this is how it's supposed to play out, this movie of our lives. 
Mm-hmm. So is that something that you find too, another challenge with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. That core belief. I do. I do. It's funny you use the word movie because I do. I describe the core beliefs much like a soundtrack of our lives. Yeah. We're trying <laughs> yeah. to live our, live our life according to, in order to validate our, our, our core beliefs. I see. I told you I don't deserve love. I told you. And, and our, the choices we make, we kind of lead our lives and the choices we make to validate and prove our point. We're building our case, not for the positive, but for the negative. Um, uh, we don't realize that until hindsight, but essentially we're trying to build a case to prove why our core beliefs are true. We're desperate to show why we've been making the right decisions. And, and, but however, in doing so, we're leading ourselves down that same negative path and confusingly not understanding why until we're able to get that objectivity and, um, yeah, figure out something different. Isn't it amazing? So the outer world is reflecting the inner world. That's right. basically what it is. And we are trying to find anything outside that will match with those belief systems. If you think too, if you think to the filter with which we hear people is is veiled also from uh, uh, those core beliefs. So we hear things and we're impacted with, you might hear the word being triggered. Being triggered is essentially you're hearing things based on your experience of how other people have spoken to you. So it's learning how to hear differently. It's learning how to see differently. As we challenge those core beliefs, it's all those all those sensory aspects of living and being are impacted because your your whole worldview is is impacted. Which sounds terrifying, but it's it's a process. It doesn't all just boom. You're a different person. It it happens gradually so that it's it's a comfortable. It's it's organic. It happens over time, but um, yeah, in everyone's case. So it's almost like life is very compassionate in a way. Yes. It doesn't give us everything at once. <laughs> no, no. It's one light at a time. Mm. But it's there to, if we ask, if we ask, uh, it's there to give us what we ask of it. Let me put it that way. That sounds very good to me as well. And with that in mind, I think about intuition, because in my case, I could not trust myself for a long time, the decisions I made because they were informed by trauma in that place that I couldn't rely on. So how do we learn to listen to that voice of intuition or how do we change in a sense? It's almost like for me now, it's not believing in anything, but not holding on to any belief systems with a lot of conviction or not being fixed. That's um, how I try to navigate reality these days. Is this possible, Julia, to be here in, in this human experience without holding on to belief systems? <laughs> I th- I think if you can, if I'm understanding the question, I, th- I help people try to challenge in those kind of moments what you're getting out of your experience. So if, if you're getting, like, like goals-wise, if you're getting out of your experience what you want overall, um, and breaking down your, what your goals are, then that would be a way to answer that that question. I don't know if I'm answering it. We have to have belief systems in order to navigate this right. reality. We can't really run from that. But I love the idea of goals, right? Because it's connected to fulfillment and happiness. So right. that makes Miles a lot of sense. Yeah, right. I love that. Another open question. I have too many now, and uh, gosh, I'll talk to you forever <laughs> about these things. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's okay. Let me ask you another open question about mental health. How do you define mental health? What is to be mentally healthy? I think to be mentally healthy is to 
That's interesting. I've never been asked that to go to question center. Um, what is mental health? Um, to be able to not have your functioning be driven by, well, you want, we want your functioning to be driven by your healthy thoughts. We don't want traumatic thoughts and old behavior to be driving your functioning today. If your goals are being negatively impacted by the way you're thinking and you're thinking negatively about yourself, then mental health is at its best is if you think about it akin to physical health. Physical health, we're able to go out and do our goals. We're able to feel good about ourselves. Mental health, very similarly, is you feel good about yourself. You, um, It's a positive way of, of seeing your self-efficacy would be a good way to describe a short answer to mental health. I believe in my potential. A, a high self-efficacy would be a good indicator of, of good mental health because you see your potential you know you're taking care of yourself. You know your thoughts are healthy. Um, you know their thoughts are coming from a good place. Uh, even if negative thoughts come through, because I, I half joke that if you're not having intrusive thoughts, it means you're dead. Because, I mean, thoughts are going to come flying through. It's not whether they come flying through, but what we do with them that is that is going to matter the most. It's Thoughts are always going to fly through, but it's what we do with them, whether we swipe right or swipe left. Are they helpful or not helpful? Um, do we wrap ourselves around the axle of them and say, yes, I believe that about myself? Or do we look at them and say, no, that's not actually true about me anymore. I'm not going to accept that thought and and dispel them and not accept them. Um, so it's a lot about our thought process, what we're willing to accept about ourselves and um, the thoughts, what, what, what we, whether we agree with the thoughts coming through or not. And with that in mind, talk to me for a moment about how it works, uh, the mindfulness-based uh, therapy you do. Mindfulness, I talk a lot about that, that we think about mindfulness, we think about long, in-depth meditation, which that does include. But I also point out that people are probably doing mindfulness every single day, but not realizing it's mindfulness. Um, you could sit out on the porch and watch people. And that could be mindfulness. You're, what mindfulness is, is essentially grounding yourself in a moment and doing a thing. Um, I, I teach mindfulness in terms of we want to strengthen the objectivity. We want to put people, we want to put space between an individual and a feeling or a thought. So the, the more space we can put between um, us and a thought, the less reactive we will be. So mindfulness helps us not be so reactive. Um, if I'm feeling anxious, I want to take a moment and be able to not only accept that I'm feeling anxious, I don't want to judge, I want to have that objectivity in that moment of mindfulness to be able to say, all right, I'm anxious, to be able to reflect, why am I anxious? Is there any reason for me to be anxious? Probably not. <laughs> so for me to be reflect, able to be reflective and accept what I'm feeling, mindfulness allows me to be uncomfortable in that moment. And not feel the need to flee, not not feel the need to be afraid of feeling anxious, uh, not feeling unsafe because I'm feeling anxious, or whether it's anxious, depressed, angry, fearful, whatever the whatever the um, whatever that feeling is, whatever emotion is that might come up for someone. Mindfulness helps strengthen that sense of control for for people. And so, in in addition to the core belief work. Mindfulness I use to help people feel more in control of the moments when they feel those feelers. 
just so they can feel more in control of of the moments and not feel like they they have to be attached to the Calm app or um, I love the Calm app, but just any app. They don't have to be attached to technology or anything like that. It's about their connection to their physiological state, their their bodies. So being able to deep breathe, being able to calm themselves down, just themselves. Um, not feeling the need to knowing who they can call to talk to someone, but not feeling tied to having to talk to somebody, if that makes sense. Just knowing that they can control it themselves. Yeah. So it goes back to trust. So that's self-trust. Yes. Exactly. Self-reliance. Yes. I want them to feel very as self-reliant as they can so that if they were out in the middle of nowhere and they had a, a panic attack, they wouldn't uh, panic anymore because they weren't. Um, they didn't have servers. They couldn't call someone. They would know, all right, I know what this is and I know how to control it. I know I'm going to be okay. Something that you said, yeah, it caught my attention because I have heard it before in a different way. It happened to me and it really felt so uncomfortable. It was being afraid to be afraid. That's the worst feeling I think I have ever felt. Right. Is that what it is, Julia? Most of the time uh, when people have panic attacks, I think I had one and it was... It's related to being afraid of fear. It's like we don't want to feel those feelings, those negative feelings that are yeah. coming through, going through us. Yeah, we don't want to be seen as, as weak or vulnerable. I mean, the terrifying to be vulnerable because I go back to, I, I, I attribute it back to our ancestors. If we're vulnerable, we could be eaten or, um, you know, just, just thrown out of the tribe or something. So I, I go back to that. I mean, inherently, I think it's a fear of not being accepted, a fear of look, being looked down upon, um, the stigma of looking stupid in public. I mean, if we if we look fearful, people are going to think we're, um, we're able to be, I mean, in today's world, good Lord, um, we don't want to be attacked. <laughs> we don't want people to think we're easy targets. So nobody wants to look fearful. So, and, and the the fear of where am I going to be when I have a panic attack? That's a big one for a lot of people. Where am I going to be when I have that anxiety attack? Am I going to be in an interview? I don't want to go out for a job interview because I might have a panic attack. So I just won't go look for a job. Well, let's help you just know how to manage your anxiety attack so that if you go out for a job, you know that you can control it. How about we do that? So yeah, fear of being afraid is a big one for a lot of people. And that I learned, um, yeah, from experience a long time ago. It was about mm -hmm. seven years ago. And I can't forget because it was that powerful. Feels like you're having a heart attack. Yeah, right. That's what it felt like. And, and the more I talk to therapists here, I have so many <laughs> these yeah, days, yeah. I see that. Like, wow, that's exactly what I went through. Is this what you call the emotional quicksand, Julia? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I just, I sort of just created that. I, the emotional quicksand I talk about because it's the more we think about it, you know, overthinking, we think whether it's doing what we've done all these years, thinking it's going to work again and it doesn't work, but it's how we've always done things, whether it's a behavior or an action or, um, well, that is a behavior, but <laughs> whether it's a way, a way of, a way of thinking, um, a way of feeling, um, I'm going to keep, I'm going to overthink it because if I overthink it, if you think it a little bit, it's good. But if you overthink it, that's really going to fix the problem. No, not usually. So, so that's also where I bring in mindfulness is looking at it, uh, using that as a metaphor of the quicksand of, if anybody knows about quicksand, the idea is you lay yourself out flat. Well, the flatness is used as akin to being still. The stillness of mindfulness is, is I use as a, a metaphor of like the quicksand. You don't want to go deeper down that rabbit hole of emotion 
Um, you don't want to start spiraling. So in order to not spiral and, and get deeper and deeper in thought, be still with yourself. Consider what it is you're feeling. Consider why you're you're perseverating on that, that particular thought or why you should do a certain thing or why you feel like you should be a different place in life. And just be still with yourself. Where's that thought coming from? Try to figure out the ideology of that thought. Um, and and the more still you are, the less likely you, you are to go down the, that rabbit hole or the quicksand, the less likely you are to get any deeper. And stillness is not the opposite of movement, right, Julia? Because we can no. be in the midst. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You can be still and be moving. You can go for a walk around the block and be still in your spirit. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. You don't have to be, you know, like frozen. Yeah. <laughs> you can <right>. definitely <laughs> be still. You can be doing a mindfulness walk and be still in your spirit while you're walking. Yes. Do you integrate, do you speak with the same, this language to your clients? Do you use yep. the word spirit? Oh, you do. How wonderful. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I'm not a spiritual counselor. Yeah. I will say that too, <laughs> yeah. but I will, yeah. I will clarify that I'm not a spiritual counselor, but that, that when you're doing mindfulness walks, um, yeah, you, you can, that's how you can ground, you know, if you are spiritual, I'll, I'll generalize that if that is something that is important to you, if your faith is important to you, I'll normalize it, that that's a great way for a lot of people to find themselves in a moment even deeper to, you know, feel more spiritual in a moment. Might be a time to pray if you pray. So I'll normalize those activities if, um, as things that, that might help people be more mindful in a moment. Um, yeah, I'm not saying they have to, but but it, that's how I integrate any spirituality, not being a spiritual counselor, but but acknowledging that for a lot of people, that's what some people, how some people get to be mindful. It's language, really. We are actually yeah. speaking about the same thing, but yeah, right. um, some words resonate more than others, right, for some people. Mm -hmm. What was the inspiration and intention uh, to become a therapist initially? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's funny. I never know whether to mention this, but I'll just mention it because I just said that. Um, so I used to be, <laughs> oh Lord, I used to be an actor. Um, and my goal in being an act, I, I was really shy. I think I mentioned that before. I was very, very shy as, as a, a youth. And I got out of my shell by acting. And so I really enjoyed acting. I found acting to be an outlet for not only um, being more comfortable in my skin, but exploring humanity and in a way normalizing humanity through the characters I played. And, and, and so I did that for a number of years. Um, until I got tired of the business, <laughs> Jump, jumping quick to the end, uh, I got tired of the business. And so I decided to normalize humanity through clinical work. Um, in my circle of friends, I always found myself to be that one that people felt comfortable opening up to. And I was never um, averse to sitting there and listening. I'm always interested to hear how people are doing. And when I ask how you're doing, I'm still standing there, even after they say fine and they've walked away, I'm waiting for the whole story. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, all right, all right, I guess that's it. And so I'll just I'll turn and walk away, but they're, you know, they don't want to tell me, but I'm ready to listen. Um, so I'm all, I've always been that, that friend. And so when I considered as I, um, I was doing other odd jobs uh, as I was pursuing an acting career in Los Angeles. And one day I just decided I, um, didn't want, I think I was transcribing or something and I just didn't want to do that forever. And I thought, what else could I do? And I realized I always had a dream to go back and get a, a bachelor's in psychology. And I did. And, um, in that process, my professors and colleagues said, you know, you're, you're, 
good at this. You might want to think about doing this for, um, you ever think about getting licensed? I'm like, no, no, I'm just, I'm just getting a bachelor's. But then I thought about it more and I realized this is kind of what I do anyway. (laughs) I kind of like to do this. So yeah, so I pursued it as a master's and um, here I am. And I've loved it. I, you know, they say, do what you love and you won't work a day in your life. It's a fact. <laughs> it's a fact. It is a fact. Uh, for me, it has been yeah, the same thing. Although I do believe that chains, right, Julia, this idea of purpose. Yes. We don't have one. We have many, it seems to yes. me. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah, when it comes to normalizing humanity, I love the way you say that, normalize humanity. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you see as not normal when it comes to humans and humanity or living as human beings in, on this planet? Hmm. Something that's, well, I mean, it's a normal part, but I think it's, I think it's just too easy for people to, to go with the herd. I don't know how else to describe it to just not have their own thought. I mean, it's kind of a sad state of humanity, I guess. It's a better, how I would answer that question is, it's it's normal, but it's so easy to shift, but so few do. It's just going with the herd of, of thought. Um, groupthink is, is, I think, the term they use. It's like, I'm going to, and back to acceptance. Some people want to be accepted, so they'll go along with the, the way a group of people are thinking, and, and they may or may not fully uh, comprehend why they're going with the group, but they want to be accepted. And so they'll figure it out later. Um, in some cases, not all cases, but, um, so I don't know that it's not normal, but, um, it's unfortunately a large part of our society, I think today. Yeah. Yeah. As we have lost the way to our own selves, it seems to me that we don't know who we are in the sense of, uh, uniqueness because you see that with nature, it's so unique. Nothing in perfect. Nothing in nature is perfect. Right. Nothing in right. nature is perfect. Yeah. It's unique, but not perfect. And it's beautiful because of that. Right. We as humans, we try to fit in. And that's because of biology, right, Julia? Trying right, to be yeah. accepted, survival. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, which in a way you said yeah, it is normal for that reason, because it is biology, but it's not normal at the same time. When we think about evolution, right? Right, right. So we're almost at the end. I do have uh, more questions for you about your services. Do you offer online sessions as well, in person and online? Yeah. I do, I do. I offer, uh, yeah, during the COVID, I I offered in person, but everyone was just kind of averse to it. But yeah, I have have continued to offer it both in person and online. Um, Yeah, I cater to a lot of people and and I have a home office and where I do telehealth and I have an office office where I also do telehealth. So, but a lot of flexibility. So I know life happens in between sessions. So I always tell my clients, if if you have a, a plan to see me in person and you can't uh, just let me know, we can switch it to telehealth or vice versa. If you have a plan to see me in telehealth and you need to get out of the house, <laughs> let me know. We can see in person. So my, my goal is for people to feel empowered in their schedule which is a subtle reminder that they're empowered in their life. I love the way you navigate this reality. I have to say it that way. <laughs> in so many ways, as a profession, as a human being, as a woman, it's beautiful. As a spirit, as a soul. <laughs> I appreciate Thank that. Thank you so much, Julie, for being you. Thank you, Valerie. I really appreciate the time to speak with you today and uh, for reaching out. 
Thank you. And uh, I do have those ending questions. I would like to mention before that, yeah. that again, one of the quotes that you say, it became a quote to me that you have written and said here today, it is truly okay to not be okay. That's a powerful statement, empowering yeah. statement. And then yeah. you also say, no problem is too great to overcome. That's, that's true. That's yeah. another one I love. <laughs> I think yes. I have that in the very beginning. Would you like to make a comment about these, um, these quotes again, Julia? It's truly okay to not be okay. It's we're we are built uh, as complex human beings. We we're built to get ourselves out of situations. We weren't built to be perfect. We were we were built to be complex. We were the the will to figure out how to get out of a situation was also ingrained in us. And so it, I don't think it's ever been expected that we will just sit in a situation and accept it. So to to trust ourselves to be able to get out of a situation. Any situation is part of our inherent, um, I think it's a core belief. We just have to identify it in ourselves. So it's it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to reach out. Um, it, the, the most courageous step is that first one to say, I, okay, I've tried this. I need help to go the next step. And I'm just here for people until they don't need me anymore. The stigma of mental health is that once you're in therapy, you're in it forever. And that's just not the case anymore. It doesn't have to be. What do you feel is the purpose of the human experience? I think we're born with a plan, going back to that spirituality. And I think I think sometimes it takes it takes some people longer than others to figure out what that is. Um I, I wasn't I was forty before I figured it out. I mean I had it much longer than that, but it wasn't until I was forty that I realized, oh wait, I've been doing this longer. I've been doing this for a while, but I could actually do do this. Um so yeah, I think it's just listening to your inner spirit, listening to your gut. Um and the human experience, we're, we're meant to be better. We're meant to better each other. We're, we're meant to help each other. I believe we're here to help each other, not to hurt each other. I, I just, I scratch my head when I see things out there that happen. And I just don't understand. Not, that's not the purpose. They're missing the point. We're not here to hurt each other. We're here to help. And in the littlest of ways, I mean, if you see somebody that looks like they could use a drink of water, give them a drink of water. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything big. It's a smile, literally. It doesn't have to be anything big at all. It's just acknowledgement, acceptance. A homeless person just looks at you sometimes and they just want to see, be seen. They want to be seen as human. So it's not always a big thing that people are seeking, but be there for them to give it. What a beautiful message. Yeah, so true. So true. That's one of the things that I don't find to be normal, that it is normal, but it's not normal at the same time. Is this this uh, not being kind to one another? No. It never made sense to me since I was very no. little, and it still doesn't. And it's so easy. Yeah, it is, Julia. It's I the same agree. energy. It's the same energy to be kind and not kind. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. yeah. It's just kind of uh, almost like, um, what's the word? The transforming, right? Or yes. The alchemy of transforming energy, which everything is anyway, energy. Exactly. Yep. So what is another word for healing? What comes to mind? Mm. Stillness. Yeah, I love that. It makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And then going back to that, we had... A brief conversation about stillness not being something different from movement. So it could mm -hmm. be both. We could right. be moving, but still at the same time. Mm. Yeah. Healing. You can heal by not running anymore. So stillness by accepting where you are and, and stopping the running. Just being still with yourself and accepting that, all right, 
where am I going to go from here? When you say running, I think about fighting because so many of right. us still believe, right, that we need to fight. Right. That kind of fight. Right. Exactly. What are three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Oh, good. Oh, wow. Oh, I just got goosebumps. You asked me that. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. Uh, oh, I just got emotional thinking. Um, well, I'm married to my best friend, so I would say love in that capacity. Um, uh, acceptance, where you have a group of friends where you can be yourself unconditionally. And you may not talk to them all the time, but just knowing that those people that you have in your life, that when you talk to them, it's like you talked to them yesterday, having those kinds of friends. And you might count them on one hand. That's, it doesn't matter how many there are of those people in your life. It's having those deep of friendships. I wish that for people. And that there are no regrets, that people are able to live their life doing what they love and that they have that sense of purpose. Thank you so much, Julia, again, for your presence <laughs> you. here today, yeah. uh, for the beautiful wisdom you share, for what you do and how you do it, for being you. Thank you so much for the inspiration. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. <laughs> and before we say goodbye for today, where can we find more information about you, your services and future projects? Well, my website is Coronado Counseling CA for California, CoronadoCounselingCA.com. My website is up there and um, I'm on all the Psychology Today, ZenCare.co. Um, I think I'm on Alma. I'm, I'm out there. But Psychology Today, I'm, you can find me. And CoronadoCounselingCA.com is my website. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile, too. Thank Perfect. you so much again, and we'll talk soon, Julia. Bye for now. Great. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Julia Overlin and her work, please visit coronadocounselingca.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.